Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. Well, no matter how many conflicts you and your spouse might have, uh, deep down, you probably both still really want to feel loved by each other. I'm John Fuller, along with my friends and Focus on the Family colleagues, Greg and Aaron Smalley. And Aaron, I wonder if I can bring this one to you. There are some uh, common ways I would imagine that people express their longings for love, even when they're having troubles and they're in your counseling office. Mm -hmm. So often I will hear somebody say something like, I feel so alone. I feel so alone. I feel so unloved. And it's things that are being triggered within them because there's a deeper desire in their heart, a longing for love, a longing for connection, a longing for companionship. And so it's looking at, often I hear it through the conflict, and it's interesting because scripture talks about what causes fights and quarrels amongst you. Is it not the desires of your heart? Mm -hmm. And so it's looking at, we have these desires deep in our hearts, and often they come out in language when we're upset because we're not getting the desire of our heart. So thus, it's looking deeper beyond that. What is it that I'm really wanting right now? What is it that I'm desiring? And then putting that out there, it's much easier for your spouse to hear that than what they're not doing. So so start with you yes. and express that as a need. Or a desire. Yeah. I long to feel connected. Hmm. You know, another way to, to notice someone's true longings is just to pay attention to how do they express love. So when I ask Aaron to join me in watching a football game, I'm I'm simply, you know, expressing really my own desire that I love it when she participates in that kind of thing yeah. with me. Always confused though when she doesn't feel loved by that. I don't get it. Yeah, there you are times feel loved <laughs> to be invited to watch football. Yeah, for three and a half, four hours <laughs> at yeah. least. There was a time not too long ago when Dina said, "Do you want to go for a walk with me up on the mesa? We call this part of a park um, the the mesa." And I said, uh, "No." And I realized afterwards, oh, that was <laughs> that was a longing <laughs> for time together. And so next time I said yes. And you, uh, you let's, have learned you well. Learned well. I, I learned yes, it took thirty five years, but I figured it out. So last time we heard from author Catherine Hill, uh, she talked with Jim Daly about adjusting with the changing seasons in your marriage. And they had this conversation in front of an audience and fielded some questions. And let's go ahead and hear those interchanges. I'm Michael from Pennsylvania. I've been married for 50 years. Congratulations. And, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, males and females have different perspectives. I'd like to know your perspective on what resolving conflict looks like. Males seem to enjoy fixing things. From the female's perspective, what does resolving conflict look like to you? <laughs> Processing it. <laughs> well, I think I think processing it. I I don't know. I think people have different um, yeah. ways of approaching conflict, and probably there are some gender stereotypes within that as well. But for me personally, um, I actually don't really like conflict. Um, but I I really don't like unresolved conflict. So I will 
go to places and I will be brave in order to make sure that it's resolved because I really hate it when it is unresolved. Uh, so, But for me, it will be processing it. I'm an external processor, so for me, it will be talking about it. My husband is an internal processor, so he'll do most of his thinking in his head, and his first thing that he says is probably uh, the thing that he won't change his mind on, whereas I go all around the houses and back again because I work it all out <laughs> externally. So I think taking those personalities into account uh, as well. But for me, working through the process and getting to the place where either we agree to disagree or the issue is resolved. You know, you're describing something that has always fascinated me, why we tend as opposites to attract to each other. I mean, you and Richard, you just described that, right? It's very common that we possess different ways of processing, right? Why did God do it that way? Well, I think just to keep us working at things, maybe. I don't know. That's one question maybe I will ask him. I mean, it is uh, a, it's, it's kind of his sense of humor, I think, right? I'm going to well, put two people that don't think alike together. They're going to be attracted to each other. I think so we become more like him, which is selfless. So. I'm sure that is right. There's, we're, we're attracted, actually, to people who think the same as us on the big issues, right. but often we're attracted to someone who is the opposite of us. Correct. So if we are really disorganized, then we're attracted to someone who likes planning. Uh, if we are spontaneous, we, uh, we are attracted to somebody who's not. But At what, least for a few weeks. For a few weeks. I was going to say, because <laughs> what happened is then that, that very thing can start to annoy us and become an irritation. Exactly. Uh, you conclude your book with a wonderful story about a taxi cab driver and his wife who had been happily married for 35 years, but then something happened and it challenged that relationship. What yeah, happened? I was I was driving through London in this taxi, and the guy just told me um, about his marriage. So he had been married for 35 years. He said their marriage had had all the usual ups and downs of married life. And then one day, his wife went to the bathroom in the, in the night, and she slipped and she fell. And then the next day, she went into the supermarket, and she went to reach a tin from the shelf, and it slipped out of her hand. And things carried on, and she went to the doctor, and she was told that she had a degenerative disease that was affecting her muscles. And the doctor said to her, you must do some weight-bearing exercise. And so she tried to put that into practice. And she bought an exercise bike, but that didn't really work. Um, she joined a gym, but that was too difficult. And then one day, through their letterbox, came a flyer advertising ballroom dancing classes. And they decided to give it a go. And he said they went along and they really enjoyed it. He said, we weren't, we weren't particularly good, but it was really <laughs> fun. And then one evening they were sitting down and having a cup of tea. And he looked up and he said to her, um, what is it, he said, about this, about the dancing? You tried the exercise bike and that didn't work. The gym didn't work. What is it about the dancing? And she just looked at him and she said, don't you know? Because I do. It's because you're holding me. Mm. And I thought that was just such a beautiful description of marriage. One person being there for the other through the good times, through the bad times. Um, and that's that phrase, yeah. you're holding me. It's both what we crave and what we want to, I think, provide if you're healthy, right? Uh, absolutely. 
Well, what a touching story from that taxi driver. And uh, Greg, those kinds of stories really warm our hearts. Um, How do you encourage husbands to be there for our wives, as Catherine talked about? I loved her story and how it ended with her just saying, because you were just holding me. Mm. And as a guy, when I hear those kinds of things, I always want to go, but wait, he should have done more. He should have fixed something. He needs to solve whatever. Because I think it's just, for me, it's a natural desire to to want to make Aaron's life better, to fix something, to solve something, you know, as a problem solver. And, and I think Aaron has helped me over the years to really understand in those moments, kind of like the taxi driver, in those moments that she just wants me to be present like that's my goal to to be there to care. I don't have to solve to fix anything. And what it's done is it's really relaxed me to go. I can do that. Mm. I don't need to feel all this pressure to do. And basically, she's saying, be a human being, just not a human be doing. Just be yeah. with me. And and even what's helped is. You know, as I tried to do that, it was always so awkward because I would want to say something, some pithy something, some comforting statement, really learning that all Aaron needs from me is just to go, you know what, I I don't, I have no idea even what to say, but I'm so glad you shared that. I'm so glad that I'm here with you and Mm -hmm. just hold her. That's yeah, and, that's and it. She's lighting up as yeah. you describe that kind of that's, thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. I love when we complete each other's sentences like that. Well, but I do just thinking you. about there's that longing that I don't want to be alone in this. I want to be with you in this. And by Greg just being there and being present, that does so much for my soul. But it also does stuff for him too. You think about the oxytocin that's released when he's holding me or when I fall into his arms after a hard day. You know, what a blessing it is just to have him there. It's healing to my heart. It's healing to his. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So there's something about just being present. Yeah. But over the years, I've also learned that I want to keep pursuing Aaron. That's a big, big deal for her, probably for most wives to feel pursued. And I think the best way to do that is to constantly be curious around your spouse. And what that means is that I'm just assuming that she's constantly changing. There's probably something today that wasn't true yesterday. And I just want to keep finding out. I want to keep current. I want to stay updated. And all that takes is just a willingness just to be curious. Like, like it'd be so simple for me just to go, okay, so what, what does being there mean to you now? And because being there for her five years ago maybe meant one thing, today it might mean something totally different. So if that's our attitude that one lifetime isn't ever going to be long enough to truly get to know our spouse because they're always changing, it motivates us just to keep asking these questions and just just keep learning. Be a lifelong learner of your spouse. Well, that's good advice. And uh, we heard from Catherine Hill these past couple of episodes She has some great advice and touching stories in her book, If You Forget Everything Else, Remember This. We're making that book uh, available to you as a thank you gift when you contribute to the work of Focus on the Family. Help us help other couples, and when you do so, uh, we'll send that book along to you. And when you visit our website, be sure to fill out our free online marriage assessment, which takes just a few minutes to complete, and it covers a wide variety of topics. And uh, so you'll find details about Catherine's book, donating, and other resources, 
all in the new improved show notes. Well, we'll be joined by Pastor Ted Cunningham next time to hear how laughter can help your relationship. On behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.